It's Monday, July 19th, and you've got Oz in your ears. I'm Yeri Jero, the host of America's world-class web game, Empire Jeopardy! Today's contestants, he's a vertical urban farmer from battered Washington. Meet Jack Browndart. How's it going, Jack? It's growing, Mr. Jero. Up and up and up. He's the commander of former intelligence in Syncom Dread Sent AFPAC in Hintsville, Arkansas. Meet Lieutenant Colonel Butter Braunschweig. Colonel, what is Syncom Dread Sent AFPAC? Well, I wasn't in long enough to find that out, Yuri. She's a loan denier for Windjammer Gogol in Jockey Shorts, Illinois. Meet Swendaloo Zimmer. Working hard, Swendaloo? Saying no is becoming a real growth business, Mr. Jerome. Well, the rules are as simple as our contestants. Win two, and we talk. Lose two, and you walk. Tie, and you try again next time. Here we go. 221,943,567. What's a number large enough to confuse people? Uh, what is the cost of a B1 stealth fuselage? What is the number of barrels of oil that BP has spilled into the Gulf as of an hour ago? One for you, Jack. I see you stay on top of things. Okay, here we go again. Hiding billions of dollars of debt by not selling what you don't want until you get it back. What is window dressing? That was fast, Swindaloo. Easy. I used to date one of the Lehman brothers when I worked at B of A. Well, we're down to it now. Swindaloo and Jack, maybe we talk. But a Braunschweig, maybe you walk. Yeah. Here it is. Red cloak for breakfast. What's the latest gluten-free diet? What is taking an early meeting with the cardinal? What is the Hopi symbol of the cataclysmic purification of America? Bingo! <laughs> yeah, we talked about it all the time at Dread Sand. Well, you'll get to talk some more about it because you tied it up and you'll all be back next time on Empire Jeopardy! I'll bring a PowerPoint with me. Hello there. You've got Oz in your ears because you're listening to Radio Free Oz on RadioFreeOz.com. I'm your host, Peter Bergman, our co-host, David Osman. Hey, Pete, you got a little summer cold there, huh? Uh, yeah, I do have a summer cold, and, and you know, it's it's the middle of July up here on Whidbey Island, and it's 50 degrees, and I'm not unhappy about it. I'll I'll pay for this wonderful weather with a summer cold. <laughs> with a summer cold. I, I hate direct heat. People say, oh, let's get out there and go boating, and let's get suntans, and nope, I just like it. I like it cold and gray. Cold. Well, I like, no, I like, a sun, I like the sun when it's not cold, you know, when there's, when it's, when, when it's not I mean, excuse me, direct, directly hot. You know, it's probably the only place, i got to say, for all those people who are listening to uh, uh, RadioFreeOz.com elsewhere in the universe. Well, which is like everybody else but us. Everybody else is sweltering. It's either 110 or it's raining and it's 110 or it's not raining and it's still wet and 110. I mean, it's, it's, we're very lucky to be here. So all of you folks, mm, please don't move to Whidbey Island, okay? Um it's really nice where you are too. You yeah. can stay there. Yeah, you can stay there. And, and they said what that this is the hottest first six months of a year ever recorded on the planet. We're talking planet temperature now. Really? Yeah. Of course. Of course. People say that's just liberal palaver, or that's just uh, scientists, you know, teamed up against us. But no, it's it's. it's no, you don't want to believe a bunch of scientists, do you? I mean, they're educated people, and we <laughs> America has learned not to trust the elites out there. Boy, if they know too much. 
Mm-mm. Glenn right Beck there. for president, says the woman <laughs> looking like she just came out of a, off a golf court. And then she says, what did you say? Glenn Beck doesn't want to be president? Well, either did George Washington. And look how that turned out. Well, Democrats appear to have found their plan to defeat Rand Paul. That's uh, Ron Paul's son, I think, named after Ayn Rand. I think he is the love child of Ayn Rand. Here's the strategy. Wind him up and watch him go off the deep end. It's the Rand Paul doll. Remember that guy, Alvin the Man Green, who is the Democratic nominee for... Uh, senator, Democratic senator in South Carolina said, I have a new stimulus plan. Make dolls of me. Well, we should make a doll of Rand Paul and just let it run over the edge, say the Democrats. Ever since Paul won the right to carry his party's flag on May 18th, political types on both sides of the aisle have watched with amusement or chagrin as uh, Kentucky's Republican nominee for Senate has stuck his foot in his mouth again and again. It's organic, though. But less attention has been focused on how the Democratic nominee, State Attorney General Jack Conroy, intends to use Paul's uh, unique rhetorical talents to pull off what most still say would be an upset win in the home of Senate Republican leader Mitch Sourgrapes. Tight-ass McConnell. That guy has a look on his face as if somebody's just pinched his, you know, pinched his bum. The TPM average poll, that's Talking Points Memo poll average, shows Paul leading Conway 48 to 41, but of course, it's early in the game. Well, here's the strategy. Conway told a crowd recently that his campaign comes down to more accountability in government, and that led directly into the Rand Paul is so crazy for Kentucky stuff, or too crazy for Kentucky stuff. Take it any way you want. I can tell you, says Conway, what accountability is not. Accountability is not going on national TV and saying it's un-American to go after British petroleum, Conway said. Accountability is not having a worldview where you think that government should be basically uh, never touch business whatsoever. It's a strategy that might seem obvious on the face, but carries with it more than just a little risk. After all, Paul didn't sweep the GOP party by offering ideas that don't fly among a large section of the Republican base, and John McCain didn't defeat President 50 58 to 41 in that benighted state in 2008 because a lot of Kentuckians aren't prepared to pull the lever for a Republican when the time comes. Hey, they pulled the lever for Sarah Palin. This is a real problem. Still, Conway's strategy to the point, waiting for Paul to embarrass himself, uh, couldn't be coming at a better time for Democrats right now. Paul's comments about BP and the 1964 Civil Rights Acts have given Conway ample opportunity to sit back and watch Paul squirm. And it's just simply not enough to let Paul talk, a Conway source said. You have to be sure uh, that you highlight uh, Paul's past statements to get him so he can't wiggle out from under them. Boy, it's amazing how sometimes you can get on national TV, says Paul, and try and say something how sometimes they mistake what you're trying to say or misconstrue what you're trying to say. Huh? Well... Let me tell you something. Yeah, you're just a victim of the media, Rand. You say that the private sector can determine their own civil rights policy and that the poor in America are lucky they're not poor in some third world nation. And then you get your panties all twisted up when the press reports your comments verbatim. Hey, what is a feckless libertarian clown to do? Wow, Peter, uh, I haven't had a chance to tell you this before we got on the air, but uh, George Tirebiter, 
is coming to visit us here on the island. He does come up here every once in a while. Yes, I've heard that. He's getting pretty old now, uh, but I think I can arrange an interview with him. Well, then I think we should play some some of the Tire Biter opus this week so people will kind of get hip to this man. Okay, okay. You may not know who he is. Well, let me just say for those of you who might not know is that uh, George uh, started uh, when uh, he was a kid in show business uh, back in 1933, and uh, uh, then he moved on to radio. He was a big radio star in the early 40s. Uh, <laughs> he made a lot of B-movies. And uh, I met him, and we all met him on Radio Free Oz. And his life story uh, was so interesting that we just adapted it into the album called Don't Crush That Dwarf, Hand Me the Pliers. George Leroy Tarbiter, this is your life. That's yeah, right. so, I had to apologize to him later for stealing his name. But he didn't mind. He really I, didn't he, mind. He's a good sport. So we'll, we'll, be, we'll be playing some of his opus this mm-hmm. week, and then the following week, I think he, we can probably do an interview. Yeah, I think if we do an interview this weekend, why, on, uh, on Monday, the old fellow will be on this show, and uh, you can ask him anything you want, Pete. And remember, he was vice president of the United States, so he has a lot to say about politics. Dave, he still is. This is from NBC's Chuck Todd, Mark Murray, and Domenico Montanaro. They're talking about the political repercussions of the government's uh, suit against the state of Arizona. Wingnut desert land. The Justice Department filing suit against Arizona's controversial anti-immigration law reignited a political debate that definitely benefits the Republican Party in the short term, but makes things foggy for them in the long run. Yes, things are very foggy for the NOP. And I think if any of the sane members of that cabal, the very few, would be able to pierce that fog and look into the future, they would die of heart attacks. In late May... The NBC Telemundo poll showed that 61% of those polled supported the Arizona law, which is why so many national Republicans and even some Arizona Democrats condemn the administration's suit. But the long-term political outcome could be a different story, given the fact that Latinos are the fastest-growing demographic group in the country. In the same poll, 65% of Latino respondents said they opposed the Arizona law. I find that a little slim, actually. In a way, some argue this could be reminiscent to the Prop 187 that then-Governor Pete Wilson, I remember this, signed into law in 1994. Proposition 187 turned out to be popular in the short term and it helped Wilson win a landslide, you know, um, back to office in 94. But think of this, and you know, I remember that was, Proposition 187 makes the Arizona law look really wussy. I mean, it was like grabbing children out of school if their parents weren't, uh, you know, weren't green carded and throwing them across the border. It was California at its most vicious. Okay, it was very popular in the short run, and Pete Wilson came back to office. He was reelected. But think of this: the Democrats won California just once in presidential contests from 1952 to 1988. But after Wilson's Prop 187, Republicans haven't come close to winning the nation's biggest state. It's not even remotely close to being a swing state. The only thing that's swinging is the NOP National Party that's hanging themselves over this issue. So here's my question, though. Here's the question. Is Obama going after Arizona because he despises the law? or because he wants to lock in the Hispanic vote for the next three decades? Or is it just a little of both? 
Bang, bang! <laughs> Just kidding, hi. This is Rod Gunn, spokesmuzzle for the NRA, with five bullseyes we've scored. Killing foes of uncontrolled personal armaments, stone dead. <laughs> you won't have to pay extra insurance on those WMDs in the basement. NRA killed that. Our nation's capital might need a vote in Congress, but that vote comes with a concealed weapon. So, duck. We made sure you can go fully loaded in any national park. And we did it with a stealth attack inside your credit card. We've threatened every senator who might plan on voting for a woman who's too smart to live. The rest of her life on the Supreme Court. Since we've already paid off the cowards and shills, we don't have to tell you where the big bang bucks come from. Ha ha ha. NRA. Only four million strong, but we've got the guns. I'm Harry Reid, champion of the Second Amendment. Send me back to the Senate, where I'll continue to be a bagman for freedom.